The following is a hoop ball presentation. Yo, 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 yo. Welcome to another edition of Round Ball Ramble. I'm your host, Corbin Ford. You can follow me on Twitter at CorbinNBA. <laughs> you already know what it is. Make sure to check out HoopBall on Twitter at HoopBall Tweets online, hoop-ball.com. Best in the business. You want all your fantasy perspective. You want great team podcasts. You want amazing resources to help you understand the game better from both a fantasy perspective and just the real life, what you see in front of you perspective. You check out HoopBall. You don't ask questions. You do what you're told. Okay, so definitely make sure that you do that, all right? Um, I'm hyped. Uh, we are coming off of day two of the NBA's play-in tournament, uh, otherwise known as the Shameless Cash Cow, otherwise known as two of the games weren't even that good anyways. Um, yeah, tell us how you really feel, right? That's what I'm about to do, because I was not a fan to begin with. I understand the logic of it. You know, you're generating extra for lack of a better word, content, in a time where, traditionally speaking, you'd have a couple of days off between the end of the regular season and the start of the playoffs. And now you have games to fill in that gap, you know, with some stakes attached to that. And now you can kind of keep that going and keep that momentum going into the playoffs without a lapse in content, in eyes, viewership, that sort of thing. What I wasn't a fan of was the fact that now it's not really one through eight now. You know, the one through eight seed is no longer there. It's really one through six. You know, one through seven, rather. Uh, no, one through six to get yourself locked. And then seven and eight play, you know, if you didn't know, seven and eight play each other, nine and ten play each other. The winner of nine and ten moves on. The loser of that goes and joins the rest of the other teams in the offseason. Then the winner of seven and eight is seventh, and the loser of that matchup has to play the winner of nine versus ten. Boom. If you didn't know, I'm sure you did. Now you definitely do. So there's the answer there. But for me, it was like, okay, great, but you now just tightened it up, and you have you know, injuries come into play, you're basically taking entire team's um, season and distilling it down to one game where a random hot streak or an untimely injury can make everything go cup putt, you know? Uh, Indiana kind of had something like that where they've been battling injuries. I think Harris Levert went down uh, just before the game due to health and safety protocols. But then Indiana, you know, bucked the trend and, and just ran away with the game against the Charlotte Hornets team that looked um, unprepa- unprepared, totally out of it didn't have the energy needed it was it was just it was just a total blowout but it didn't look like it was going to be that on paper you know what i mean and you had another blowout of a game it ended up being that way but you have a team in washington who had battled and fought came back from a horrible start to their year definitely made it you know a turnaround story for the ages and then they came in and by this point bradley beals dealing with the rough hamstring injury the wizard banged up just kind of across the board and you had a blow in the other direction and that's something that you may potentially see more of in future playing games Right, but for every one of an Indiana Hornets matchup or uh, a Wizards Celtics matchup, you have ones like you did last night, where you get, oh, you know, the Spurs and Grizzlies come down to the wire after the Grizzlies run off to a 19-point lead, or a Lakers Warriors game that was nip and tuck, nip and tuck. Warriors got a little bit of an edge in the half. Lakers came back in the third quarter, all the way down to its explosive finish. So it's kind of a mixed bag. What I will say I enjoyed about the playing tournament, my final thoughts on that, are this. The idea of the tournament is, is, is fun. The idea of the tournament is cool. The idea of the tournament makes sense. And what it did, what it did do, was make 
teams that would have canned it in in trade deadlines past decide, you know what, maybe we could still make a play at this. The buyout market was not nearly as robust as in years past because the teams that have those players could go, wait a second. But you're saying there's a chance. You know what I mean? That was still out there. That was still on the table. That opportunity still existed. So you had teams that were still kind of in. You had some um, more buyers and less sellers than you would in, in previous trade deadlines. But what was really exciting to me is you had more games toward the end of the season that really meant something. More games where stars are going to play. You know, more games where you're going to see the best of these teams because they had something to play for, either to keep their spot or to get the other team's spot. That was exciting. Years past, NBA junkies know this. Last week of the regular season, heck, almost the last two, is like, okay, you know, teams are going to start selectively resting. We're going to see a lot more guys, you know, this is where development teams really get that, that positive boost they need because they're racking up wins against teams that really just aren't interested in playing. Uh, they're kind of looking ahead to the playoffs already. You didn't have a whole lot of that now. I mean, you had some. You had some selective injuries. You had some selectively resting. Um, you had some teams that Minnesota reeled off some good wins and they can be positive looking forward, but you're not quite sure if that's because they turned a corner in their team or if it's because the teams they were playing were injured, disinterested, some combination of both. We don't really know. So you have that there. But the playing tournament did make it so that end of regular season games actually mattered. And for that, I'm grateful. For that, I'm grateful. That was bomb. But let's go into the playing games that happened last night. Because, like I said, they both were relatively interesting. Memphis Grizzlies. San Antonio Spurs. Uh, I was curious, before this game started, I even told some friends, I didn't know how Greg Popovich was going to approach this for the Spurs. I foolishly believed that he might not take this game super seriously, maybe understanding the real hard film that lays in wait for San Antonio and deciding that, you know, I'm just going to play my young guys and we're going to go at it like we want to win the game, but we're maybe not playing DeMar DeRozan as much or maybe not playing, um, you know, Patty Mills, uh, Rudy Gay as much, kind of focus on our young guys because this is the future. I was definitely just overthinking the entire thing because that's not at all what happened. The Spurs came out with a decent starting five, the same starting five they've used in most matchups. DeJounte Murray, uh, Lonnie Walker, DeMar DeRozan, Keldon Johnson, and Jakob Pertl. But the Grizzlies? The Grizzlies with John Morant, the Grizzlies with Dylan Brooks, Kyle Anderson, Jonas Valanciunas, Jaron Jackson Jr., they walloped the Spurs. Almost out the gate. The Spurs started off nice. DeJounte Murray got a steal, took it, breakaway dunk. You know, they scored, I think, the second basket of the game. And then the Grizzlies just, just took numbers on them and ran off. End of the first quarter, the score was 38-19. to 19. San Antonio looked entirely out of sorts. They were missing everything. Just shooting frigid from the field. For the record, both teams shot pretty ugly uh, in general. The Spurs shot 35% from the field. They shot better from three than they did overall. 36.4 from three, 35% in general. Let me repeat that for you. 35% from the field, the Spurs shot. 36% from three. Okay, Grizzlies were only slightly better. 44% from the field, that's more like an actual NBA team, but 31% from three. But really, it didn't matter. It was rough. It was very rough. But then what did San Antonio do? They could have packed it in. And, and mind you, I actually thought that they would. I'm like, okay, this is going to be a repeat of what we saw between Indiana and Charlotte. This is it. Like, glorified garbage time, whatever the case may be. But the Spurs went in that second quarter. They brought in Rudy Gay. They brought in Patty Mills. And, and they, they ran back. They went on a little bit of a run of their own. They took that deficit. Again, 
38-19, and they roared back on a 22-3 run themselves. Really solid from them even doing that. Getting back in. Rudy Gay making some buckets. Patty Mills hitting some threes. Making it an actual game for San Antonio. Then it went nip and tuck. You know? John Morant kind of took a dunk. uh, A nice looking dunk to help uh, the Grizzlies get a little bit of a mini spurt going. They would take a 7 point lead in the half. Both teams would score 16 points apiece in the third quarter. Went nip and tuck toward the end. But bottom line, the Spurs cannot generate enough offense to sustain themselves. And when they did string together a couple of good offense possessions, they would let Dylan Brooks just slice through the lane and finish with the basket. John Morant get his way in, finish with the basket, or knock down a three, or you know just let Jonas Valanciunas grab every rebound under the sun. The dude finished 23 points and 23 rebounds. Monster performance for him. Every big rebound in that Spurs Grizzlies game, you can bet you Jonas grabbed it, and that was just demoralizing for the Spurs. Also, add to the fact, like I said, they couldn't hit the broadside of the barn. Their guy all year, DeMar DeRozan, 5 of 21 from the field. It was very rough for him. Couldn't get anything going. Wasn't knocking down shots that he normally would make, but 5 of 21 from the field is not great, right? 20 points, only 3 rebounds and 3 assists, and with those 3 assists, he had 2 turnovers. So the ratio there is not great. DeJounte Murray finished with a triple-double. Mastorani got another triple-double. Like his fifth one, 10 points, 13 rebounds, 11 assists, but um, 4-17 from the field. That's 23%, boys and girls. That ain't pretty, right? Lonnie Walker, 25%. Slightly better, right? Okay? Even guys like Rudy Gay, who were key for the Spurs, even being in this game. 20 points on 21 shots. It's not, that's not great. I mean, I, I said this earlier, talking about the Spurs, that, and not on this show, I'm just saying in general, Rudy Gay taking 20 shots in the year 2021? No, not feeling that. Not feeling that at all. Maybe if it was 2016, 2017, okay. But now, no. That's break glass in all the cases of emergencies. And by that point, the emergency is almost over. You've fallen. Like, it's not good. It's not good at all. Uh, bottom line, the Spurs didn't have the juice. They didn't. And they're going to head into offseason with some questions. You know, a lot of their key guys, at least from a veteran perspective, are free agents. You know, uh, Lamarck Aldridge, already remember, he had already been bought out and retired now. But DeMar DeRozan's a free agent. Rudy Gay's a free agent. Patty Mills is a free agent. These guys have been key for San Antonio through parts of this year. When you take them out, you have a lot of young guys still on the table. You know, the oldest would be Derek White at 26. You know? You have DeJounte Murray, Calden Johnson, Lonnie Walker. A lot of guys. Devin Vassal waiting in the wings, literally. You get it? In the wings. Okay, it wasn't that funny of a joke. Fine. But the point being, where do the Spurs go from here? Where does Greg Popovich go from here? Is he ready to facilitate a rebuild at 72? Is that what he's even interested in doing? Are the Spurs interested in going into a rebuild? Are they going to try to retool, quote-unquote, and, you know, try to field a more competitive unit? Or are they going to say, okay, you know what? Let's take these guys, reevaluate, and kind of go with this young core that we already have under control for a couple of years? That's a question that only they can answer. Um... DeMar DeRozan was asked after the game uh, questions naturally concerning his free agency, and he said, listen, you know, he loved the way he was treated by San Antonio. Uh, He liked the way that he's, you know, just been taken care of, and that it's a good group of guys and a good culture and all that, but at the same time, he said he's never been a free agent, and that's not true. He was a free agent in 2016, but what he meant was he's never been in a situation, unlike what he is now, where he's going to evaluate all of his options. I think he will, of course, evaluate all those options, and I don't see one of those options being returned to San Antonio. If it does, that'd be great, but at 31, I would be surprised. 
So we'll have to see where he goes. And he's just one. Rudy Gay played well. I don't know if he's coming back, you know. Uh, Patty Mills, same thing. Patty Mills has been a fixture for San Antonio for the longest. Is he someone that's still going to be a need for this team? I don't know. A lot of questions for the Spurs. But for the Grizzlies, man, I mean, pat yourselves on the back. Somo Anderson, man, four big blocks. Satline doesn't look great, but knocked down two huge threes. You know, obviously Dylan Brooks is the hero. John Morant took over for stretches in the fourth quarter. There's someone, something you want to see from your main young guy. Jaron Jackson played really strong. We already mentioned Jonas, DeAnthony Melton. These guys played well. This young Grizzlies team is a different kind of grit and grind. It's grit and grind from the new school, right? <laughs> but they're fun. Scrappy. They make things happen. And they are headed uh, to a day with another team that we're about to get to right now. So let's turn our little attention over to the Lakers versus Warriors, which was honestly the highlight of the playing tournament from the jump because you've had two teams that, you know, just a couple of years ago wouldn't even be thinking about this thing. Okay, well, maybe not two teams. The Warriors wouldn't be thinking about this thing as a team, and LeBron specifically was not being the team that was in this situation. But here they found themselves. The Warriors, because outside of, you know, Steph Curry, Draymond, um, and sometimes the performances from Andrew Wiggins and Jordan Poole in moments, they just aren't that great a team. Okay, the Lakers, injuries all season long, uh, just mismatch rotations, you know, team chemistry. Not that it's been bad, but it hasn't been ideal, you know, with 18 million centers and whatnot. You have two teams that really are overqualified for positions that they find themselves in, namely 7th and 8th. But they took a battle, and they battled down to the wire. Uh, this was a game, y'all, that was, you, you talk about playoff intensity, you talk about playoff basketball, this was it in a nutshell. The Lakers did prevail 103-100. to uh, LeBron James hit an absolute clutch three-pointer to really lift Golden State ahead uh, with exactly one minute on the clock. And let me tell you, I mean, looking at this game, one of my thoughts were, okay, um, what are the Lakers going to do about Steph Curry? Well, to be honest with you, I mean, they did with Steph Curry what anyone could do with Steph Curry, which is hope that he misses a shot because the guy could not be stopped. He made Dennis Schroeder dance several times. Several times he had Dennis Schroeder faked one way, going the other, and he did this to the tune of 37.7 rebounds and three assists for Curry. Um, just a really good game from him, uh, but he got help. Andrew Wiggins, who always seems to play well against LeBron, uh, probably because LeBron kind of quote-unquote traded him back when he returned to Cleveland, 21 points and three rebounds. Draymond Green had the most impactful game for somebody who shot over five from the field. Nine rebounds, eight assists, three steals. I mean, he's the epitome of a guy whose just impact goes beyond the box score because he owned every possession defensively of the game, it felt like, for Golden State new went to Stonewall, new switch and switching and, and, and fake reads and just really making Anthony Davis a non-factor down there for the most part. It was great. Uh, they got good, decent performances from Jordan Poole, you know, Juan Toscano Anderson, uh, Kent Bazemore hit a couple of big threes, you know, um, Michael Mortar had a nice three. They they had some decent play. Um, Kevon Looney, all 6'9 of him, 6 points, but a big 13 rebounds. But in the end, you know, uh, LeBron, that's really all I could say. Numbers don't look amazing. 22 points, 11 rebounds, 10 assists. Yes, he did mess around and get a triple-double. Uh, 41% shooting, not super great. He got poked in the eye, and that's honestly something that adds to the legend of LeBron. Let's let's talk about this real quick. So um, he was driving the basket. Draymond Green went to stop him. It was a foul. It was actually reviewed for a flagrant, but it really wasn't a flagrant. I think we kind of all knew it wasn't, but both hands of Draymond's did extend and hit uh, LeBron James in the face, one of them poking in his eye. He spent, has to be, I don't know, maybe 12, 13 minutes on the floor <laughs> trying to get that repaired. And when he hit that big 
three, he literally was back going back down the court saying, I can't see. And after the game, he said that he saw three baskets and he just shot the biggest one, which, I mean, if this is a, a movie, that sounds amazing. But in real life, getting poked in the eye, seeing three baskets and going for that one, do we really expect to believe that, LeBron? The sad thing is, I don't think he cares. It subliminally just adds to the legend that is LeBron, right? But still, uh, that was the kind of fun of this game. But let's talk about the intensity because it was there. Both teams played very tight basketball down the stretch. You had big shots by Steph Curry. You had big shots by LeBron. You had guys come through. Wesley Matthews. I don't know why people keep trying Wesley Matthews on the defensive end like he's just going to give you points, but he's not. I wrote this on Twitter. You come for Wes Matthews, you best not miss. You best not miss because he will make you pay. And he did. <laughs> and the fact that it took the Lakers to the second half to get him in the game is annoying to me. The fact that Marcus Gasol didn't play all game is annoying to me. The fact that the Lakers decided to start Andre Drummond knowing that he is just the least effective big against Steph Curry. Can't get out and defend him in space. Plays drop coverage against literally the greatest shooter alive. It's horrible. It's horrible, ridiculous, despicable, has no explanation, and yet Frank Vogel did it. Got Montrose Howell some minutes. That was nice, except that Montrose Howell defensively was a nightmare, but okay. You know, and then the rest of it, AD went to the five, which, I mean, it took you long enough, Frank. It took you long enough. Looking at coaches of the year and everything, I don't know someone who went from a strong uh, candidate for coach of the year last year to as someone who I wouldn't even consider coach of anything, Frank Vogel. And mind you, I should, because Frank Vogel did keep a top-rated defense without their two biggest defenders in Anthony Davis and LeBron James. But some of his rotations and and, and, and just, I don't even know the word I'm looking for, stubbornness in, in making the right call, the obvious call, it just never ceases to amaze me. It never does. He did that here. I just feel like the game would have been a lot easier if Vogel had done what he said he was going to do, which is deploy the centers based off the matchups. Because in this game, it was definitely an AD at the 5 or Marcus all matchup. It just was. I mean, Drummond playing bully ball is going to help you out a little bit, but it's not going to mitigate everything he gives away on the defensive end of the basketball and the fact, and this is what got me, they gave Drummond some post-ups through this game. Drummond's not that guy. Dang sure not the guy you want to be getting post-ups. We don't deserve that. I'm not saying that in like a negative way. I'm just saying like if you are stopping to build your offense around Andre Drummond, you are setting yourself to fail. This isn't Washington Wizards, you know, playing five to ten minutes through Robin Lopez, you know, with that reliable hook shot. It's like another look. This is not what that was. This was okay. Give the ball down to the big man and let him do what? I mean, to his credit, two or three from the field. So he made two of his three baskets, four points, seven rebounds, you know, one assist. But just, just not good. Just not good. He had two blocks. I guess that was good recovery for him, but I, I don't know. I'm, I'm not totally enamored by him. I remain that way. So that's my final thoughts on there. But this game, it was exciting. Full attention, full of action. Lakers coming out on top off of that shot from LeBron. Ultimately, it was great. Great defense on the end to really cut it off from Steph Curry and make it hard for him to get free. You know, just sealing that win for the Lakers. Um, Good game. If this is what the play-in tournament's going to be, then, yeah, sign me up for this. Many people on Twitter said this, but, yeah, we're, when's game two of the series? Well, we know it's not going to happen. The Lakers are set to play the Phoenix Suns starting on Sunday, so we're going to have that, while the Golden State Warriors, losing this game, will go to face the Memphis Grizzlies, and that should be fun. Uh, remember, just a little bit ago, Steph Curry dropped 44 in them cats, right? So, about to run it back, John Morant versus Steph Curry, round two, Grizzlies versus, um, Grizzlies versus Warriors, see how that works out. Don't know why I was going to say Mavericks. I don't know. Mavericks got another hands full with the Clippers, but we're going to say that for another show. We got to do a little bit of a playoff preview, kind of see what's going on down there. So expect that soon, y'all. But listen, 
been a great one here. You already know where you can find me. If you don't, I'll tell you on Twitter at Corbin NBA. Check out hoopballhoop-ball.com on Twitter at hoopballtweets for your great content. We're going to try to get this show back on the road, y'all. You know, get some guys in here. Uh, definitely want to talk to Brad Harden from um, Hoopball Hawks. This is from just a long time ago, but Lloyd Pierce and my own thoughts on that. They haven't dissipated, but I definitely want to kind of see where he stands on the Hawks. They go into their first playoff series in a couple of years against the New York Knicks. That'll be fun to look at. There's a lot um, to check out that I'm going to try to do on this show again, get this thing going back up and running with some interesting content ideas. I'm excited. It's going to be fun. The playoffs start uh, this week, this weekend. So by the time you hear another episode of Round Ball Ramble, well, there's another one before that, but you're definitely going to have some playoff action to kind of break down. But let's not forget, we do have a game tomorrow night. Uh, Washington Wizards versus the Indiana Pacers. Definitely make sure to check that out. And then Friday night, of course, Golden State Warriors, Memphis Grizzlies should be a fun bout of hoops before we get the main course, the entree, the creme de la creme, the NBA playoffs starting over the weekend. All right, so letting y'all go here. Definitely make sure, check out where I'm looking, check out what's being plugged up here. Uh, keep your friends and family safe, as I always try to say now, y'all. Give them the love that they need. Let them know that you appreciate them. Let them know that you care. I'm Frosty. Y'all stay Frosty. And I'll talk to y'all tomorrow. <laughs> Alright, y'all. This has been a hoop ball presentation.